Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Behind the Timeline, the podcast where we examine pop culture in films, television, and books across the ages. As always, we are your hosts, Lindsay and Scott. If you're interested in finding out what we've already covered or what we've got coming up in the future weeks, be sure to leave us a follow on Instagram at Go Behind the Timeline. Check us out on Twitter at Behind Timeline and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Additionally, links to our Patreon and our official website can be found in the episode descriptions if you would like to support the podcast. And now, on with the show. This is actually like really sick. Anyway, sorry. Hi, Lindsay. How are you? Hello. Hi. Saturday. Hi, Scott. Happy Saturday. <laughs> We're here. Yeah, I know. We are here. It's actually pretty exhilarating. Um, and hi to you guys. Hi, listeners and everyone else out there. Um, welcome back to 1984. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining us for the most exciting part of 1984, probably. I know. Seriously. Like, until we, we have a... I convinced Lindsay somehow to let us do a special treat for you guys at the end of, well, some of you, at the end of uh, 1984 before we get into 85, because, um, yeah, I have I have nerd obsessions with kaiju, and so we're going to be doing something <laughs> at the end of 1984. But today, uh, we're reviewing the beloved pop culture powerhouse Ghostbusters, which was released on June 7th of 1984. Um, Lindsay, how do you feel about this movie? Before we can get into anything else, like what was this movie like for you when before we did this podcast? Like, I was like really worryingly ambivalent about it. Um, so I think that this whole romp through the eighties has been and will continue to be kind of fascinating for us because you have a lot of strong ties to these movies, the way that people and nerds should. And my parents just didn't bring this live action stuff into our house. All of these movies, even the original Star Wars, Indiana Jones, all of it, all this 80s stuff is stuff that I saw at other people's houses. So these aren't movies that I ever had like the opportunity to like memorize or, but I have lots of memories of seeing Ghostbusters. So like at lots of different people's places too. And I just don't know what my parents damage was like we had every <laughs> Disney movie ever. Like they, I don't know. I swear to God, I was thinking about it last night watching this. And I was like, what is the first live action movie that I remember like having like owning at home? And honest to God, I think it was like Jurassic park or fight club. Like, which is, wow, that, is that is, such I a really think it might have been fight club. Holy shit. <laughs> I don't know what was going on and I, I can't ask my mom and my dad would not know. And so this will be a mystery forever that, that, that went with MJ, my mother. <laughs> We're never going to know. I know. And I know I that know. sounds like morbid and a bummer, but honestly, it kind of cracks me up because there's some big question marks about my childhood that only she would have had the answer to. And we're just never going to know. And this is one of them. So I, I, yeah, like I knew this movie, but it wasn't my life. It was never around. What about you? Oh my god, dude! This I loved this movie. I remember uh, every Halloween, like I watched this movie so freaking much. This movie was so fuck. First of all, this movie is what start this movie and Fletch, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not. It's a Chevy Chase I'm movie. Not, oh my god, dude! It's so funny. This movie and Fletch helped formulate my sarcasm and my personality. And then shows like Psych 
and The Office kind of refined my my sh- <laughs> my sarcasm and shit and like my my shtick. Yeah, my basically the pillars of my personality are based on uh, right movies and Doctor Vankman and shit. Um, but I love this movie growing up. I love the theme song. This theme song gets me so amped, like just hearing it at the very beginning after the, the librarian gets attacked and it's just the like, and it goes from this great. really scary part of the movie. And then it's just like, and I'm like, Oh my God, this is like, this just gets me so hype. And it's so, so, okay. To just sort of carry a, my my biggest like ground her to the 80s through this uh <laughs> this whole section um while we got a lot of the plot and the heart of stranger things from et all the music comes from ghostbusters oh, yeah. and so that was really fun like i i really continue to be impressed by stranger things it's like my weird takeaway from these 80s movies. i know it just keeps popping up while we're in the 80s it well and that's you know that's the idea so it's but yeah, I really noticed in the music, I'm like, oh, all this like synth stuff, like this is very quintessentially 80s. And yeah. it was cool to hear all of that. I too was stoked when the music started playing in the in the early part of the movie. And like, this movie was hilarious. Like, it was awesome. I And I liked this as a kid. It wasn't like, um, like sometimes Indiana Jones as a kid, I was like, does this have to be on TV again? Because yeah. this is what's going on. But not Ghostbusters. I always liked it when it was on. I just like... You know, I didn't. It doesn't like. I don't have an island of personality about it. <laughs> Good to know. Um, let me get. Let me get back into the little description of this for everybody. Um, in case this is honestly like, maybe you've never seen this movie, and maybe this podcast helped you like get into this movie. I can't believe you would listen to this episode and have never seen this movie. But if you haven't um, seen this movie, I encourage you to watch it. Um, yes, it was very good. much so. <laughs> Um, the film was directed by uh, Ivan Reitman, and it was co-written by both Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. And I didn't know this actually until I started, until we, I was taking my notes for this. But Rick Moranis actually is also uncredited as a ghostwriter. Interestingly, which, because I saw your note on that, um, yes, and they credit him, I believe, on IMDb. Oh, do they? Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. I think cool. so. I think I am, I'm, and not to say that that is the end all be all because if it wasn't in the credits when the movie came out in '84, no, it wasn't, he wasn't thing. credited. But, but these days, uh, Rick Moranis was definitely mentioned on IMDb in the writing cast, which was nice. Awesome. Okay, good. I, I, I saw that when I was doing my like trivia notes and everything, like fun facts and stuff, and I was like, dude, his character is so like. You think he's just like this annoying neighbor at the beginning and then he becomes this like quintessentially important character halfway through and you're just like, oh shit, okay. So I'm glad that he does get some recognition somewhere. Yeah, he's not in the credits, but um, I'm glad that someone finally picked it up. Um, But yeah, I mean, we've got, we've got what? Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, and Ernie Hudson who lead a star-studded comedy horror classic alongside the likes of Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis, and Annie Potts. I love Annie Potts in this movie. She is so fucking funny. I wish I could answer the phone at work the way she answers the phone. <laughs> Ghostbusters, what do you want? What do you want? I, dude, I just, it's perfect. She's perfect, man. I just, like, Sigourney Weaver, man. Like, I what? Know. Okay. All right. <laughs> she killed her. Actually, I forgot about Sigourney so, Weaver's like 80s status because nowadays when I think of Sigourney Weaver I think of like 
And even this yeah, is yeah. like really dating myself. No, not even. I was going to say, like, I Are forget about it. Girl? No, dude, I think about the horrible butchering of David Attenborough's perfect narration of planet Earth when they brought it to the States. Oh. And how they had her and they had Sigourney <laughs> Weaver do it for a while. And, and even that is dating me because that was like a long time ago. That was like 20 years ago. <laughs> I've literally did. never seen it. What? I'm sorry. Um, I, well, I would watch David Attenborough's, but I've never seen hers. Okay, well, David Attenborough is the one that's like on Netflix, and I'm pretty sure. And also, yeah. um, he gets you smoking more weed. Anyway, wow. I'm like, what? What do you mean you didn't spend most of your high school time watching Planet Earth? All right, whatever. No, I totally didn't. But speaking of <laughs> spending time doing, I know <laughs> it's so crazy. How could anyone? I'm gonna come down there and rectify this. We're gonna spend a day watching the Attenborough documentaries and get you anyway. Jesus Christ. Goals. Um, Goals. No, okay, so this was actually, so I'm, we're going to get into the context of here, but I want to read this one first, and I want to give a special shout out to Anna, who um, was on our 101 Dalmatians episode. She's um, a really good friend of mine, but she is one of those people um, that is obsessed with true crime. Like, she loves unsolved mysteries and, like, mm -hmm. crazy stuff, and I dug super deep for this historical context fact. I saw um, this. I was like, okay. Dude, I know. <laughs> I was like, I have to get this in here. And I have to give a special shout out to Anna because I feel like she would appreciate this more than anybody I know. Um, the first piece of historical context that we didn't cover previously um, in Temple of Doom for 1984 is that Christopher Bernard Wilder, a.k.a. the Beauty Queen Killer, is finally killed in New Hampshire during his arrest attempt after a countrywide string of eight murders. He is one of the first confirmed serial killers in American history, and his entire case file would go on to assist law enforcement across the country in profiling serial killers in the future. I think that's so Wild. fucking crazy. I know. I knew nothing about this. I didn't um, either. Yay, New Hampshire mentioned. That never happens. I yay, know. New Hampshire. You get a, a brief shout out to New Hampshire where he was caught. <laughs> or, well, not caught. I would get, like, he was killed. But yeah, I just, I yeah. And where I'm so from, crazy. I don't know if that's a known thing on the podcast. I don't know if I've said that before. So that's that might true. just come out that of nowhere. But I'm from Hampshire. Um, um, but the uh, second one I wanted you to read because you've spent time across the pond. I have, and across the pond, Margaret Thatcher won general election in a landslide in the UK. This is not Margaret Thatcher's initial inauguration, however. Um, no, but she does continue to be the prime minister in '84. She was prime minister for a long ass time. And she was kind of the worst, right? Like, it's not great. So Yeah, it's not a wonderful time. <laughs> it's, like, not the major win for feminism that I want it to be. I guess is what, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah. Margaret, you fucking mess. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you could have been great, you know. <laughs> well, and she wasn't all terrible. I'm not, like, an expert on British parliamentary history, but, you know, Thatcher, it could have been better. However, she was played brilliantly by, was it Julie Andrews in The Crown? I believe it was Julie Andrews. Was it Julie Andrews? I think it was Julie Andrews. I, my mom would know. I, I should call her right now and find out. I mean, also Google, but also I'm 99.9% .9 sure that's right. Yeah. If it's not, please send us feedback. Um, yeah, let us but, know how fucking wrong we are about the crown. Please, God. God, I love that show. So, yeah, Margaret Thatcher continues to be the prime minister. Um, the longest MLB game in history is played, lasting eight hours and six minutes. Dude, I know. Sure, Crazy. 25 this innings. Is, 
Dude, this is a shout out to my Uncle Larry, because this was another thing that I really wanted to find. Um, or like I dug really deep to find this one. And I was so stoked about this because I get to shout out my Aunt Jamie all the time when I make like references to the Muppets or like Little Mermaid and stuff. But Uncle Larry is like my sports buddy when things happen in like the NFL, I'll text him or he'll text me and stuff. So like because no one else in my family is like as big a sports fan as as like I am or as Uncle Larry is. So this I picked this one up for Uncle Larry. Um and it was it was crazy because it was the White Sox eventually lost to the Boston Brewers seven to six after literally eight hours of playing. And I think that's so crazy. That's just that's unheard of to me. It's like it makes me think that this was a reference or this is where that longest game of Quidditch history thing came from, from Gobble to Fire. Oh, yeah. How long was the longest Quidditch game, Scott? That's really solid. How long was uh, the trivia. longest Quidditch game? Oh shit! I think it was yeah. like, I think it was like, uh, forty three days long, and they had to keep bringing in substitutes or something like that, so that players could get sleep. I'm pretty sure it's it's either thirty six days or forty three days, and I'm sure both of those are wildly inaccurate. All right, I just looked it up. The longest Quidditch match. You said how many? Either either thirty six days or forty three days. About three months is what I'm getting on Google. From oh Wizarding World. shit okay mm-hmm. yeah it was about three months they had to keep bringing on subs so the players could get a bit of rest so yes on the details but the game was much longer so shocking <laughs> that's a really good bit of harry potter trivia though isn't it like i yeah, it i wouldn't is. have known that i would I not think i'm gonna start compiling these to save them for when we get to harry potter and we're just gonna start asking people random shit yeah I think that sounds legit. I th- actually, yeah, we should write that down. <laughs> we should like have a Harry Potter trivia section at the start of each of this because yeah. we are going to have like nine episodes on Harry Potter. I feel we like, are. Overall. Anybody that I've already like, confirmed is coming end. on the Harry Potter episode, don't listen to this episode. I know, right? We're that, giving but... it away. We'll have to work on this privately. We're re- All right, we're giving the game away here, Scott. So <laughs> anyway, Ghostbusters Oscars. was nominated for two Academy Awards. Um, best I can't, original I'm song. Read this because I can't wait for this to just fucking blow your mind about the second one. I know. I so they get. I know. <laughs> they get nominated for best original score for "I Ain't Afraid of No Ghost," which I want to say uh, I didn't realize that was the name of that song. I would have said if mm-hmm. you asked me, I would have told you that song was called Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's, so, most people just think it's the Ghostbusters theme, but it actually yeah, is titled I Ain't Afraid of No Ghost. I love that. So, um, and then they got nominated for Best Visual Effects. So, like, what the fuck? Like, talk to me about this. Dude. I I need you to understand, before we even get into this, that this lost Best Visual Effects to Temple of Doom. That's the fucked up thing. Like, I know. That's what's so what? bonkers to me. Like I mean, this movie what? really doesn't look that bad. It really it's doesn't. Temp- look it that really bad. doesn't. It. Re- we're gonna talk about that a little down the line. But it really. Okay. Here's the thing, though. It. It is both. Better than Temple of Doom's visual effects. Yeah, and, and parts it's really shitty. <laughs> yeah, but but it's like simultaneously unworthy of this Oscar nomination. Like oh, it's I know. just absolutely. Like, and so is Temple of Doom, <laughs> like totally unworthy of its win. And I, you know, maybe, maybe this is just. I mean, compared to whatever else was happening in 1984, you know, maybe this was it. Anything, but I mean, was yeah. it Neverending Story in 1984? Yes. 
Like straight up, that has yes. to be better than either of these movies, right? I'm like, I just remembered that because it is at the tail end of it. Yeah, because um, we're gonna do it. Yeah, it's it's pretty much it came right out after a month Karate after Kate. this movie. Yeah. What the I, fuck, man? Actually, now that I'm remembering, was it nominated? That, that it, like, mind. who got nominated Dude. in that category? God, I hope it wasn't. It wasn't nominated because if it was and still lost, I'm gonna be so fucking upset. Or maybe it's just like it's really shitty and I don't remember. Now I'm kind of like afraid to go back and watch this movie. Like, I okay. Anyway, I don't know, man. It's it's. I'm trying to look it up, and there's two. It's not quick enough yeah. for me to find all of the nominees. But in any case, I can say neither of these movies seems to like really deserve it. So sure, no, to all of yeah. that. If I had to pick um, between the two of them, I definitely would have said Ghostbusters. Absolutely should have won. There's nothing about this felt like a green screen. Oh, no, that wasn't the problem. Yeah. We'll talk about what was. Mm-hmm. But not um, the green screen. That was fine. No, um, that was fine. For anybody who was wondering, though, uh, I Ain't Afraid of the Ghost did not win. It actually lost to I Just Called to Say I Love You by um, uh, shit, Stevie Wonder for from the movie The Woman in Red. So yeah. yeah, neither of the neither of the things it was uh, it was nominated for it won. But here's where we get into the really awesome shit about this. So it what we already covered this last time, but it was the top grossing film of 1984 at 220 million. However, it would go on to be the highest rate or the highest grossing comedy for the next six years, and the movie that dethroned it as the highest grossing uh comedy is a fucking home alone in which by the way next christmas we need to do all the home alone oh, movies. we absolutely are i hate that we're going yeah. to but we absolutely are i know <laughs> I huh like it's like a little bit of a little bit of mixed feelings i know i just oh my god um adjusted for inflation as well this would be the 32nd highest grossing film of all time insane mm-hmm. and yet totally tracks right yeah it's i mean this was a really super successful movie which has oddly not been the case for like a number of things that we have covered like obviously this this star wars is have been up there and things but a lot of the films that we've talked about were at in their own time not Mm -hmm. necessarily super successful especially disney and yeah which is like ridiculous and uh yeah, but this movie really was. This is one that didn't like become a classic. Like this was a popular, successful movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this wasn't one of those like it. It obtained like a cult following years later. Like no, this movie was fucking great right out of the gate, and everybody yeah, everybody knew. loved this. And people but were stoked here's... when it was coming out because of the Saturday Night Live cast, right? Like I exactly. think the, when they heard that this movie was being made with the people who were in it, like people were stoked. Like people knew who these guys were. Like, and this was Bill Murray's like one of his first big movies. So outside of Saturday Night Live, so you can think of this as kind of a. Um, this isn't a perfect analogy, but like a bridesmaids or something like mm-hmm. that for like an Amy Poehler, you know, of like Very much kind so. of or yeah. or like a. Um, what was Tina Fey's show? I know it's not the movies, but like these, when you see these guys, like Will Ferrell have, will have examples too, where they come out of Saturday Night Live and they make a movie and it's 
fucking incredible, right? They have oh, all the big dude, comedy Will guys Fowl, you've have got done old that. school, you've got Talladega Nights. Uh, well, Anchorman. he obviously has done a million movies, but I'm trying to think what the first big one out of Saturday Night Live. Oh, you know this phenomenon where someone played uh, on SNL, which is actually based on an SNL skit, was probably yeah. Will Ferrell's like first big theatrical hit. And Stiller, maybe it was Meet the Fockers. I could have that. No, I would say it was Zoolander before that. Oh, yeah, 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 Zoolander. But, you know, this is like a phenomenon. This is like a thing that happens, right? People are great Mm -hmm. on SNL. Everyone knows them. They make a movie that is just fucking amazing. And then they have an incredible career outside of SNL. Oh, yeah. It's what we all hope for Kenan Thompson. And (laughs) so much. And, uh, And this was Bill Murray's, which is cool. So here's what's really funny about that. This movie was a or this role of Peter Vankman was originally written for John Belushi, and unfortunately, he died of self-induced drug overdose um, while Dan Aykroyd was writing this, and so the role was then offered to both um, Chevy Chase and Michael Keaton, who both turned it That's down. So wild. Yeah, and then they were the like, Keaton "Hey, thing's Bill Murray, crazy. Do you like, I do can't this? picture that." I know. I think when I was reading, when I was doing all the notes. I was like, God, dude, Chevy Chase would have been awful in this. I love Chevy Chase, but he would have just been so bad in this. And Michael Agreed. Keaton, I don't think Michael Keaton could have pulled this off at the time. I don't. Yeah, no, that that's really out of left field for me. I'm like, Keaton. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> he didn't get weird so? and goofy like he is in uh, the other guys um, until probably until like way after batman like when he was cast as beetlejuice people were like oh shit he can actually be like funny that's crazy okay and i think that's kind of like i think that's what did it how much should they cast pete davidson though if they do beetlejuice again i totally agree i totally think they should cast pete davidson just to be clear it's it's pete davidson right if they do beetlejuice today it's pete davidson it's (laughs) gotta be pete davidson i think that would be so fucking funny oh my god speaking of snl beetlejuice is another one that we didn't have at home but that i saw a lot and freaked me out but that movie actually i I never watched that when i was a kid i watched it when i got older but i didn't watch it as a kid but anyway um i'm not sorry that we're not doing it i know i'm not either (laughs) it's okay it's a good movie it's funny but it's not like it's the same vein for me as Edward Scissorhands. Like it's not, it's not like a, it's not important to me. Fuck Johnny <laughs> Depp. All right, no, back. now what? Now I'm moving aside. Now, Depp. now I'm pissed. Fuck Johnny Depp. Now you've brought okay. him into my aura. Okay, well let's keep right, this right, be so... pissed train going and let's discuss the sequels that came to this movie because I saw one of your notes was why were there not like a hundred sequels for this? Right, and okay, so let me explain that comment. Because, yeah, one of my thoughts was, why aren't there? And obviously there are a bunch of sequels. But what there isn't is, like, a franchise. Like, ending right. this movie with, with like, an MCU brain right now, like, it for, as a modern audience member. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen this movie in a long-ass time. And watching it now, I'm like, dude, this was, like, the ripest origin story ever for, like, that these guys are, like, the Avengers now. Like, there's no reason why, like, if this was made for the first time today and it wasn't, you know, if it didn't already exist and was the thing that it is, it would be, it would be a franchise. They would try and make, like, a, like, a multiverse out of it. They would make, like, a connected movie universe. No question out of Ghostbusters, right? Yeah. That's what I feel like 
it's like surprised me that that didn't happen. Like, yeah, they tried to make sequels. This, the original sequel, I'm going to let you tell us like the history here, but mm-hmm. that first sequel is garbage. I haven't seen it in oh, 25 years. Yeah. I didn't see 2016's Answer the Call. I didn't watch it. Um, I just didn't care. And I'm looking forward to watching Afterlife. I didn't see it in theaters, but I know it's like just now available to rent. And I, I have failed you yeah. listeners. I didn't watch it for the episode, but <laughs> it's whatever. <laughs> it just came out. I think out. the I only time. sequels that everybody cares about you watching are the Disney straight to DVD sequels. So we're good. Yeah, that's where it. my promise really is, right? Yeah. So we're, we're, we're I think we're good that. there. I didn't watch this one yet. But it just um, came out. It did, yeah. It was it was last summer, so we're. I think you're okay with that. Uh, but yeah, the the sequels. What happened? I feel like it just came out streaming, right? Oh yeah, I. It was the first thing that came up when I went looking for this. Incidentally, this movie is not available to stream anywhere for free. I had to rent it on Amazon. Yeah, I was annoyed by that. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. I remember it being on Netflix for a really long time, but I guess with Afterlife coming out, it makes sense that it's not on there. Um, yeah I but, okay so speaking of sequels because this is a really like weird long complicated story and i'm going to try and keep it brief so we can actually get into the movie because we're already 24 minutes deep but which shocks me i thought we were going to be really fast today and we're like bogged down in 1984 um so with the success of ghostbusters 1984 paramount desperately wanted a sequel because this movie was like blasting records away it was something they didn't really count on, but they were just like, holy shit, okay, um, I guess this is great. And they pressured the shit out of Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis to continue making a movie, which is hilarious to me because the entire cast, like literally the entire cast, did not want to come back. And it took like so much of Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis to convince them to come back. And the only way that they came back was they wrote the story as some kind of semi-socio statement about the effects of negative emotions and actions in New York City. So if anybody remembers uh, Ghostbusters 2, and if you don't, I understand. I think we all do. Um, The movie basically (laughs) happens like because this river of ectoplasm is flowing below um new york and it's being amplified by negative emotions people being angry in the city uh, you know hate and crime and stuff like that but the big part about it is the ghostbusters actually get sued by the city of new york for all of the damage that they caused saving the city at the end of the first movie and they are forced to never again investigate paranormal activity so this is the movie takes place five years later they've been disbanded You know, like, it's crazy shit. They're all off doing their own thing. Sigourney Weaver and uh, uh, Bill Murray's character are not together anymore. She has a kid with an ex-husband. Oh, I can't fucking believe it. That romance didn't work out. I know. It's crazy, right? Come on. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so, like, when it was announced that it was a box office failure, Bill Murray was like, I'm, no, I'm done. I'm never coming back for this ever like you i will never again and so these ideas were scrapped the only thing that we really got was in the 90s we had an animated version of the show of the movies we had the ghostbusters and then there was an alternate one called extreme ghostbusters and i remember that one as a kid which was basically a team of ghostbusters but it was a different team the first animated one was the original guys stance vankman spangler and zettermar but the extreme one was like 
different. It was way down the line. It was a different team. Sorry, what were you going to say? Well, so this, because we're going to talk about this a little bit more soon, but those cartoons are, I, I theorize, the reason that I thought Slimer was cute and that people liked Probably. Slimer. Yeah. I theorize it's because of that TV show. So just saying, we'll come back to that issue, but I just want to throw that out there now. I'm like putting that together as you said it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's what made me like that. Okay. So I recall that. Thank you. Because yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? So we'll talk about that shortly. But, um, yeah. but yes, um, there was a TV show. <laughs> yes, there was a TV show. But then it like it disappeared. And then for almost 20 years, we didn't get anything. So we fast forward to 2016, where we get a reboot of Ghostbusters. At the time, it was just called Ghostbusters. So anybody that didn't understand when we were talking about Answer the Call, I totally understand. Um, but Ghostbusters Answer the Call is what the 2016 movie eventually became known as. And this movie, I'm going to try and say this as nicely as possible. Um, this movie was one of the most, until The Last Jedi, this was one of the most divisive movies to ever exist. And the problem is that the media decided to focus on a very small group of fans who we're trying to make it a gender issue when it was the issue with the failing of the movie was not gender related in any way. We didn't need that movie. It had nothing to do with the original Ghostbuster story that had been established. The three people that returned Dan Aykroyd, um, Ernie Hudson and Bill Murray were just made random cameos as other people living in the city. And it just felt really like, in your face trying to prove a point kind of thing. And the fan base was like, dude, you guys are doing a horrible job preserving like what made the first one great. We don't want or need this movie. But the the problem was the media kept focusing on like, oh, it's an all female cast and the world hates that and da da da. And everybody's like, that's not the problem at all. Like we don't care about that. I agree. And I'll add to that that even though I didn't see this movie, what I, I was very much aware of the vitriol and yeah. what I perceived to happen, which was most unfortunate, mm -hmm. is that the movie got announced, all the angry sexists got up in arms about it being an all-female cast before anyone knew dick about the movie. Like, this thing right. was really controversial before anything happened, yeah, right? So no the really shitty thing... Yeah, so... People decided to hate it based on the gender issues before they'd even seen the movie. And it created this whole media kerfuffle before the fucking thing even came out. And then it came out and it wasn't very good. And that was the real blow. Cause it's like, if the movie had just come out and been great, like it would be um, more analogous to like what happened with Captain Marvel, right? People threw a mm -hmm. hot fit for a long time and like that movie wasn't great, but it wasn't fucking up. Like it was better. No, than it wasn't horrendous. It yeah, like it was I, like like I can confirm that that movie was bad, the Ghostbusters movie. I have not seen it and I agree that that movie I know that it wasn't good. And yeah. like it but it's it's that's what's too bad about it is this whole gender thing happened before anyone had actually seen the movie and then actual mm. valid complaints arose and you have like these two camps of people and nobody likes the movie and some of them are doing it for the wrong reason and they're assholes and they're loud and some of them are doing it for like the right reason but like now they're in the camp well, yeah. with the assholes and the whole thing really escalated fast 
Well, that was the problem too. You could say like I was in the camp of like I just don't think we need this movie. Like we don't. If you're gonna do it, make it a sequel to the original movie. Don't reboot the fucking franchise. We don't need that. There's plenty of stuff well, there for you to come back and do something. And there's a whole conversation to be had there that like this movie was a contemporary of Ocean's Eight, mm-hmm. and which was a fine movie. Um, but something that is frustrating for women and I am trying to put this away in ahead of She-Hulk is that we I'm like cool we just don't get our own story it's like make it girls and it's like oh for the love of god like it's and that's cool and everything and yay representation but or we could have our own story instead of like let's do this again but with vaginas like I I mean and there's some there's some ways that that can be valid and it's good like Mm -hmm. I liked Ocean's 8 I just or we could have like something like uh isn't it called Bad Moms I just started watching this on Netflix oh my god I love that movie yeah Holy no no, no bad, it's on bad, netflix bad mom's show. christmas oh no i thought you were wait what's isn't it, it might movie? be called it might be called no there's a, it's a netflix show and oh, maybe has, the show is name? based off the movies then i remember the movie was with mila kunis uh no that's not the one i'm thinking of this is no not the one with christian bell this is the one um that i was telling you about with um the redhead from Mad Men. oh christina hendrickson yeah yeah, okay. it's her show on I Netflix. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but something like that was, it's very Oceansy, I guess, is what the yeah. analogy that I'm making. And it's just like we could have our own story without just like repackaging the title. You know, like if mm-hmm. someone had a cool story to write about like female ghost fighters, like I'm sure there's a way to do that without making it Ghostbusters. I just, so there's a whole other conversation to be had there about like, did we need this? Why did we do this? We did it because it was part of this trend of like repackaging stuff. And that's why I'm not in love with the concept of She-Hulk. I'm like, great, fucking fantastic. Something I really liked about Captain Marvel is that they didn't have the comic book storyline where originally there was a different Captain Marvel, but then it became her. Now she's a girl. And I'm like, oh, for the love of fucking God. I mean, Hawkeye's doing the same thing. Give us our mm. own superheroes. We don't need to take yeah. over your mantle, but with but as a woman. I So that that was a whole separate issue with the Ghostbusters movie. So like, there was really no winning. Like, even... Even feminist readings of the Ghostbusters 2016 movie are negative to the Ghostbusters movie. Like it was not know, a great that's scene. Crazy. Yeah, it was. Not... It was really rough all around. Yeah, it just it got a bad rap. Well, and then this is where we come into Afterlife. So in 2014, unfortunately, Harold Ramis passed away. So Dan Aykroyd and Ivan Reitman's son began working on a proper sequel, which was a direct continuation of Ghostbusters 2. And it takes place in Oklahoma rather than New York, where Harold Ramis's character, Dr. Spangler, had retired. Um, he, I guess, and I haven't seen the movie yet, so I, I don't want to spoil too much, but it basically is about his daughter and her two kids um, moving into his estate which is like run down and the kids find these ghostbusters equipment and then crazy shit starts happening. Um, and then they have and to, what's they have his to name is typecast in it. Finn Wolfhard. Oh, Finn Wolfhard. Love that that kid can, like, I love that kid. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. And I'm like, really sorry. He's being typecast so hard, but also I'm down it's and I'm really kind of stoked. I'm like, I'll watch that. That Ghostbusters movie tonight. I'm kind of glad that we didn't watch it for this, though. I kind of wanted this to be more pure. um, I agree. You know, and just since this movie is such a classic, so Mm. 
Should we kind of get into it? I think I think I'm gonna I think I'm ready to get into it. And uh, like I said, like this movie helped build a lot of my personality and my sarcasm and shit. And the number one thing that I need you guys to understand is just about every single fucking line in this movie was ad libbed. Every almost everything that Bill Murray said was not on script. Yeah, what must the script of this looked like? Like, I, totally I you can kind of, <laughs> yeah, you can tell, and yet you can't tell. And there's bits like when, uh, when the bookshelf falls in the library oh my God. scene. Did this ever happen to you? First well, time. and that really happened, right? Yeah, like that's they, no one knew that, that was happen. the bookshelf fell over. That wasn't planned, and they just like went with it. And it's cool. It's really like a testament to the cast, right? Well, and it was, it was just these comedic geniuses playing off of each other. It wasn't just like, oh shit, like this movie's being run by Bill Murray. Like, no, everybody had funny shit in their own right. Right. Yeah, I mean, they were awesome together. Like it was, and and Bill Murray was the standout, which is all like born out of tragedy, right? Like we said, well, that's all. Yeah. Like it is kind of a crazy story of how this movie was made, and I do. I did like reading about the amount of ad living because I did have to look into this, like how, it's, how it was done, and it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Like <laughs> the whole one of my favorite lines in this entire movie is in the very beginning when they're in the library and they're looking at the symmetrical book stacking, and Bill Murray just goes, "You're right, Ray. No human being would ever stack books this way." <laughs> and they Spangler and and Stance just like walk away. And I'm just like, dude, how did neither of them just like bust up laughing at that shit? I don't, I can't imagine how many takes they must have done. And yet, oh, yeah. Maybe not. If a lot of it was ad libbed, maybe these are just like they were able to hold it down, which is insane. Yeah. Um, but I like Venkman's character is so ridiculous, though. Like Bill Murray is so funny. It's dude, so Bernie Weaver calls it right. She's like, you act more like a game show host. And he totally does. That's exactly how he acts the entire movie until he like genuinely gets scared. And then he's like, shit, OK, I guess we better like take this seriously. But then he's like at the end when uh, Spangler's like, we got to cross the streams. There's a very minute chance that we could survive. And then he smacks Dan Aykroyd in the face. And he goes, I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. And then they <laughs> just stand up. Like, it was really funny. I was surprised, like, just how much I laughed through this movie. Like, it genuinely was hilarious. Yeah. And um, I love his, like, this, like, hustle he has in the beginning. Of, like, oh, my he's God. Not, the like, how is this guy thing? a doctor? Yeah, yeah. Like, he's just doing it to pick up women and i'm like i'm making a yeah. conscious choice not to make a stink about it i'm just like all right and this is but you know whatever we did we got enough of that out in temple of doom i'm gonna let ghostbusters oh, have a God. pass yeah so i'm i'm just verbalizing that i'm giving it a pass i'm aware of a lot of this stuff but yeah it was funny though i was like what the fuck is this <laughs> like he doesn't and and yeah he doesn't really buy the whole like there's ghosts the ghost thing, thing and i think yeah. that's so funny he's just hanging out with these nerds and he's a doctor somehow and he's just like running this pickup scheme basically like what is he's a on? what does he say he's a doctor of parapsychology and psychology so yeah, first what? of all he has two doctorates i just want to point that out he might act like a fucking goofball but he has two doctorates 
or PhDs so, more likely. Or PhDs right? rather, He's yeah. Probably got like a handful, a couple of PhDs. Yeah, what they're a little, not like, idiot people. How though? Yeah, but also like well, like and children. <laughs> one of my favorite jokes though <laughs> was like when they get kicked out of this of the university, and I can't remember which one of them says it. Um, not Venkman, but one of the other guys is like. They're like, no, we'll just like, we'll go out there and we'll just like work out in the world. We'll leave the university. And they're like, I don't know, man, I've worked in the private sector. They expect results. I was they like, expect oh my results. God. That's Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. It's when yeah, he's talking. Cause then he convinces like, him to take out a, nothing. yeah, he just wanted to, he was like, yeah, I mean, they paid us. We didn't have to prove anything. And I'm like, dude, that's the laziest, but most realistic fucking part of this movie. Like, holy shit. Yeah. This like perpetual academia. I thought that was a really funny element that I didn't pick up on as a kid that they were yeah. like professional like i mean i know that they are slackers i don't think that they're active phd students when this is happening like they've no. graduated their professors yeah. there or they have some kind of grant they had i think they mentioned that they have a grant yeah their grant is terminated that's why they're kicked out yeah that's what they have right they've got like a postgraduate grant or a research grant or something and they're doing it out of the university and it's just like these guys when do you think they graduated like they're supposed to be reasonably young right so they like yeah, they're, they probably have been academics their whole life. Oh, definitely. He's like, I've worked in the private sector. They expect results. And Dan or Bill Murray is just like, shut up. <laughs> we got like, shit. We'll figure it out. Let's yeah. Go. And then they, dude, this, I only would have understood this as an adult. Um, He convinces Ray to take out a third mortgage on his house at 19% interest. Oh, my God. Dude. When it was fucking, so bad. He's like, the interest will be $95,000 alone. $95,000. Like <laughs> Shit. That's that so stressed me crazy. out. Honestly, that made me need like a Xanax. I was like, mm -hmm. oh God, I can't really, I don't want to think about this kind of shit. So <laughs> that's a huge deal. And I feel like this is a good point to point, or this is a good part to point out one of my favorite fun facts about this movie. Harold Ramis as Dr. Egon Spangler never smiles one time in this movie and he, he the closest he gets himself, is a smirk right? he was he was like no yeah. one can do this with me i need to play this role so originally both uh rick moranis and harold ramis were not intending to star in the film they only meant to write it harold ramis's decision to star in the film actually changed when he realized that no one else would have been suitable for the role except him and then doing that kind of convinced rick moranis to play the goofy next door neighbor right which is but, like yeah. perfectly rick moranis yeah exactly who like i, I also remember as being like him. a i remember him being like a lot less doofy and honey i shrunk the kids i know he was kind of more like just a regular guy well that's how he is in in uh, little shop of horrors too he's just kind of more like a regular guy he's a goofy looking God, dude but he's I like forget. a regular guy i forget that it's him that's in little shop yep oh my god that's funny. but listen to the dude <laughs> Listen to the list of people that they were considering for Dr. Spangler before Harold Ramis like took the role. Christopher Walken, John Lithgow, Christopher Lloyd, and Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum I could see. I could too. I could have seen Jeff Goldblum and I kind of could have seen Christopher Lloyd. But I feel I like kind of Christopher Lloyd Christopher had done Walken. this. I... Go I feel on. like Christopher Walken. Well, actually, no. Now I'm thinking about it. Christopher Walken actually would have been pretty funny. I kind funny. of could see it. Like a younger yeah. Christopher. Yeah, I could totally see it. We've got these ghosts. Then they're... 
superstitious. <laughs> I, I, the only one that doesn't make sense to me is John Lithgow because the, right after this was when he started doing shit like Third Rock from the Sun, like you know, in the nineties or whatever. Um, I and he did, did enjoy the Third Rock from the Sun, and yeah, no, no I can't show. really, I can't really see him. I could see him in Bill Murray's role. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be, be as I, good, I but I could see one. it. Yeah. If I was gonna put him in this movie, that's where I'd put him. Yeah, I, as... I think I think I'm right there with you too. Um Yeah. But yeah, so Lindsay, tell me tell me about the special effects and why this movie bothered you so bad. Okay. So it was bad. It was the special effects were not good. <laughs> <laughs> it was no, but it I, was like my first note is like yo this is surprisingly not the worst thing i've ever seen and then it progressively yeah got worse and i really want to draw attention to slimer because like is it just the cartoon isn't this character popular why he was like the he was the the baby yoda of ghostbusters he, how I, because he was like the funniest one to them and he's their first ghost he's the first ghost they capture right and he has like a personality and like all of that was still attractive but like he looks like garbage i mean how was this the ghost that i thought was like cute like it i has remember to be the cartoon. Thinking, it has to be right yeah. it's got to be like a weird thing happening in my brain telling me that i thought because i saw this in this movie and i was like oh fuck i don't know why i thought this was great so um hated that i don't know how bill murray doesn't hit him when he's trying to shoot at slimer on the room service tray like they just have these homemade nukes that like that was really funny right when they're like these unlicensed homemade nukes. he turns them on the elevator and they both step away from him (laughs) i mean that and that's hilarious and but I don't understand how they haven't practiced with those. Like he has no idea what he's doing, and he tried. It was just unreal. And then, yeah, I mean, when they Slimer make a comes joke back when they the attack the uh, fuck, what's her, uh, when they attack the the maid with the cart, they're like, "All right, cool, successful right. test." <laughs> right. I, which is just it's so ridiculous. Like, <laughs> and then when Slimer comes back with the hot to- hot dogs, it's like the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah. Um, I that think, was really upsetting. I think the main issue is he was a mix of practical and visual effects because he has to be able to interact with things. Like when he drinks the wine at the in the ballroom and it just goes through him and stains the table, or like he's eating stuff off of the dish or off of the cart mm-hmm. and then the hot dogs and stuff. Like he has to be able to physically interact with some of this stuff. And I think that's where it gets really weird is he just looks like they're throwing around a glowing puppet. I think that's, I, I think it. that's like my issue. Yeah. It was awful. Cause the other practical effects in this movie are great. The, the zombie cab driver, the specter that comes out of the subway. Um, in the library even the ghost. dogs. Okay. I'm sorry. No. The dogs are the worst part. The dogs in the scene where they take what's her name. Sure. When they take Sigourney oh, Weaver. Yeah. Yeah. Like for a hot second, like that scene where all the arms come out of the couch and stuff like that looked fine. Yeah. But after that, the dogs were the worst part of this. No. So what I'm saying is the practical effects of the dogs, like when it just showed them like standing there 
or like opening oh, my mouth sure, or whatever. That sure. was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Visual, that was where I fucking lost it, dude. They're the worst part of this movie. The dog, the yeah, only the time worst. that the animation for the dog looked fine was when he crashes through Lewis's door chasing after him. Because I was like, dude, that has to interact and line up with the the door being blown open. So that didn't look horrible for 1984. But dude, the image of the dog running across the street out of the ho- yeah. out of the apartment building was fucking terrible. Oh my so god, bad! It was shocking. Yeah, and it's like no wonder Spielberg wasn't into this as a first approach to Jurassic Park, yeah. right? Because they yeah, were originally going to do that claymation, right? Um, and I fucking get why. And actually. I get the nomination for visual effects while I'm offended mm-hmm. by it. I get it because I mean, like this is pretty like, I was kind of surprised they could do that in 1984. I know that was graphic. Wasn't it? That wasn't yeah. claymation. No, was it that clay? Was, is so that why it looks so fucking garbage? When the dogs are running, that's claymation. That's the shit they used to use back in the day when you had like the seven voyages of Sinbad. And yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like green screen of some claymation monster in the background. That's how they intended versus... to do Jurassic Park. Yeah, and I'm so glad we developed yeah. better technology. So, so when the dogs are running across the street, that was clay. That's claymation. Yeah, it's the worst clay I've ever seen. I thought because that oh, should look better than that. I thought that was uh, graphics, and I was like, well, okay, like they still look absolutely terrible. But I'm impressed they exist in 1984. But no, you know mm-hmm. what? No matter what, it was bad. Yeah, it really it was. was. And here's here's the thing that cracks me up. Every scene of the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man is practical effects. Perfect. There were three real suits. Yeah, and it looked amazing. Him walking through the street, him climbing the building, his face getting all frustrated when he gets shot in the neck. That shit is so I know. <laughs> dude, like He's like the I mean, I will say this movie has like a really strong third act. Yes, that it does. is not what you expect these days in movies. Third act is usually yeah. pretty shitty. It, it and really is. big action set piece movies, right? It's usually pretty bad. Like it's a, it's like yeah. a, it's there's all the sky beams and you know, but explosions and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah, this was a good one though. I mean, so, this was a really cool big final battle, and I love the state of that. Oh, I know. I love him, dude. That's what I was gonna. That's what I was about to say. This there were three suits made for the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and they cost twenty thousand dollars each. Jeez. And all three of them were destroyed during production. There isn't a single original Stay Puft Marshmallow Man suit anywhere to be found. Because and so, what do they do? The put it dude in it and make a small size New York. Is that how they did it? probably they just like fold it well so like the building that dana lives in park avenue west um that building exists but it's not that high it's actually only like 12 stories i read about that building is like 40 stories high and they needed that because the well it's the way they explain it evo shandor designed the building that way so it could be a like a basically a tuning fork for site like paranormal activity and shit right um which leads to another one of my favorite lines in this whole fucking movie when they're in the jail cell and he's explaining it, but all the other cellmates are like moving in and like listening to and a fucking um, Vankman realizes that's what's happening. And he looks at all of them. He's like, everybody keeping up so far. I just like that shit cracks me up. I, yeah, it was, (laughs) this movie genuinely was funny. (laughs) 
It was. Hey, I got to split real quick. I got to wrap with the mayor. Like, dude, you're in jail. Like, <laughs> but the last thing I'm going to say, because this is sort of on the line, because we've talked like the ghosts are obviously the villain of the movie, but I do need to make a comment about the real world villain. Because I feel like right. if this was a real operation, this is exactly how this shit would have gone down. Walter Peck, who is from the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. I understand why he's upset. Because there's no reason for Vankman to be so standoffish when the EPA comes to investigate them. He just wanted to see their facility. And if the EPA had like actually gone through and done an investigation and seen how... like safe the building was because Spangler's not an idiot he designed it like to be you know perfect it was designed exactly to his specification this there was no toxic fumes or waste or anything like that it was good it was good to go it was functioning properly but Vankman being a fucking asshole to him and saying he can't let him see that and you go get a court order and stuff I understand why Peck is a fucking asshole when he comes back however when the actual city engineer tells him, I've never seen a fucking facility like this. I don't know how this works. And the EPA is still like, shut it off. Immediately, if I was that cop, I would have been like, nope. No kidding. Yeah. Like, this was a problem that I had. Like, I actually questioned whether he was possessed by a ghost and I missed it because I was like, is there an ulterior motive for wanting to, like, destroy this place and let all the ghosts out? Like, I thought that's kind of for honestly, I was like, wait, is that what's happening? Because I feel like an asshole. Why am I wondering what like, why is this guy doing this? Like, it seems like he's so obviously like on the side of the ghosts yeah he's like, just a fucking I was confused man like i okay so first of all to to your point about this this part of the plot where, where the ghosts get let out mm -hmm. um first of all this makeshift operation reminds me a lot of barry allen's illegal prison camp yes it does and I did. I thought of that before <laughs> I even read your note. I was like, "Dude, if this broke down, imagine how it would be if like the metahumans had broken out of Star Labs." And then I read your note. Yeah. And I was like, "Fucking idiot!" Hey, like Lindsay is the perfect person. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, I knew you would feel me on that comment. I know. Well, I, no, I mean, well, that was the biggest problem with that CW show, right? For the, for, a, I mean, for a long time, I'm not saying it is now. The biggest problem with that show now is much more serious. But for a minute, for a minute, the biggest problem in the Flash was this illegal prison camp that Barry was running, and no one was yeah. mentioning about it. Like, oh, and even all of them like, out. really, this, dude? <laughs> what is the fucking scene where the guy that can suck energy blackout um, comes to Star Labs and they unleash? Um, the the bully who can turn his body into metal they're like hey do you want to get out oh, of yeah. here fight this guy for us and then blackout kills him and i'm just like what the fuck dude you're just <laughs> right? using these people as prisoners but now they're like fucking pawns that's dude ridiculous. it's like actually gladiator in there like it's it really yeah it's that was some fucked up shit for a while um oliver's island was more humane as a place oh to like fit. like it was just really and then they have like a meta joke in like season whatever like much later where like actually it might be in season five in the elseworlds 
episode where all of our barrier both get locked up and they're like isn't there a bathroom in here what the fuck and barry like kicks the wall and there's a toilet and i'm like oh that makes it okay barry congratulations like because everyone was pretty upset about that aspect yeah it's just a fucking cylinder for them to be in yeah anyway Back to the movie at hand. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, so like Walter. First of all, reminds me of that that they just have this like, and it involves nuclear technology, and like it's obviously super super dangerous, and they're using it to house these ghosts, and like there's no way to say that it won't break down, and all the ghosts get out, and like they so that first of all is totally insane, and it does make sense to me that ultimately this would break down, right? Mm -hmm. For one way or another, there's no way that this doesn't either over capacity or. Which Spangler says, because they have the conversation about the Twinkie after the EPA, for, or after Peck is there the first time. He's like, dude, I've been reading the data, and it seems like we're headed for some kind of event of catastrophic proportions. Like, the the Twinkie, and then the normal amount of data that's coming, like, it would make the Twinkie, like, 42 streets long or some shit. Yeah, um, he's like, we got way too much ghost shit up in here, basically. Yeah, basically, like, we're about right? to hit capacity at this ghost hotel. Yeah, like, I one way or another, this was going down. Mm-hmm. But the fact that this EPA guy comes in and is just, like, completely oblivious to the fact that these guys have been on, like, Time Magazine and People and, like, all over the news and, like, ghosts are real and this is a revelation and these guys have them and you're in the Ghostbusters place and they're telling you you can't shut this down. And he's like, fuck you, Ghostbusters. Like, why doesn't he understand what's about to happen? And that's why I thought he was possessed by a ghost because I'm like, obviously he been... knows he's going to set the ghost free, right? Like, what, are they, what the fuck he does he does think it. is happening? That's what's so crazy to me. This is where it gets really fucking annoying to me. This was like, I, this is why now that I'm reading your note, I kind of wish he had been possessed because it does make sense. Way more sense. Why? Like why this shit happens because we're like a devil worshiper, ghost worshippers. Exactly. Yeah. Like like he was a, he was a, uh, an agent of Gozer or whatever. Yeah. Like that he wanted this to happen one way or another. Exactly. So the reason that this just kind of falls apart for me, is because when they're taken to the mayor's office, he comes out of fucking nowhere with these accusations of uh, smoke and mirrors, and they use uh, noxious fumes to induce hallucinations that they then just, like, conveniently show up. And I'm like, where the fuck are you getting this from? Like, this was never brought up before. Where are you even pulling this shit from? Because right after that, both the fucking city fire marshal and the and the chief of police are like, dude, the walls in the 13th precinct were bleeding. These guys were in prison somewhere else. How do you explain that shit? And then the fire right? marshal is like, I've been doing this for 20-something years. I've seen every kind of combustion known to man, and I have never seen anything like that before. And then he well, doesn't is- have anything to say. He has no response to that. Yeah, well, and yeah, this guy, he didn't make any sense. No, if he had been possessed, <laughs> I think that would have been the best part of the movie. I I think so, too. I think that maybe I, I wrote a better Ghostbusters, we can just I say. I think you did. Maybe yeah. I just, maybe, yeah, I just get this plot better, I guess. I don't know, I, but yeah. I, I feel like that should different. have happened. Mm-hmm. I, I am. I'm just, <laughs> just that special. <laughs> I think... I think though, like what really, and I, I don't think this, I made myself like very clear in my notes. Cause you're like, what? 
the wildest thing about this where I most was like, not, not even suspending disbelief, but just like, damn, like this concept is fucking hilarious. Is that these assholes have been like, obviously Bill Murray's running some kind of pickup scheme. The other guys like believe in ghosts for right. no reason that we're aware of, right? No, so he's like, you guys have talked to every schizophrenic in town. Yeah, these guys are just crazy, right? And they were able to somehow get like a grad grant and or research grant. <laughs> <laughs> but they're obviously fucking insane. And I'm not convinced that all the grant money isn't coming from the pickup scheme. You know what I mean? Like, I kind oh, I of feel yeah. like He's, maybe that's where the grant from... money is coming for. Yeah. But they're using it for this ghost investigation. And that these nerds are just fucking, like, investigating ghosts that don't exist. All they find the one ghost, which they do nothing about. They never return to the library. I would have um, liked run, to like, have seen that. I thought time. about that too. I was like, we should have seen them like walking out of the public, like the New York public library with a smoking trap. That would have been yeah, really good justice point. for the beginning of the movie. Cause they just leave that. They're yeah. just, they just like run scared and they're like, Oh, so wait, ghosts are real. So let's spend some more of the pickup scheme grant money to build these traps and, and all of the things. Right. And then they have all their tech and they get the firehouse, but it's like, they have like this one incident that they don't even know. Like they don't trap it. Like anybody after that could still tell them that they were bogus. Right. Like nothing oh, really concrete has happened. Yeah. And they're just like waiting around, like being ghostbusters, like being like, we're going to be the ghostbusters. And it's like, can you imagine like if nothing a happened? bunch of nut jobs and then like waiting for <laughs> something to happen and then it fucking does and they end up saving the city <laughs> like Bro. imagine if this was those assholes from the history channel <laughs> dude oh my god <laughs> like what's what are those shows called the like haunted house shows How, like uh ghost hunters and shit yeah yeah imagine like, if ghost wait, hunters oh my god i hunt. shit my pants yeah it yes from south park <laughs> like i imagine if those guys were right and saved new york city that's what this movie is about and i think that that's fucking hilarious like they have all of this equipment like they're out there with one ghost sighting that they cannot corroborate there's no evidence there's no media there is no there's not even a grant anymore at the university and they have these unlicensed nuclear accelerators like super legit dangerous (laughs) equipment and all of a sudden like through the serendipitous term the these guys are right instead of being criminally insane i know that's the best part of this movie it's just like what you guys should have been absolutely arrested yeah and you ended up being the saviors of the city out of just fucking actual coincidence like there was nothing about the beginning of this movie that told me they were like on to something it's just like they just whoopsie turned out to be right about ghosts i know i was it kind of just feels like they fell into it right like they were just they were doing all kinds of different kinds of experiments and then uh ray was just like hey we've got this call oh my god we lost our grant we need to figure out what we're going to do about this ghost. Holy shit. Ghost sighting at this hotel. Oh my God. Now we're famous. <laughs> it's just, they yeah. kind of fell into it without like real planning or an intent. Yeah. Which is where the comedy comes from. Right. I think that's what makes it so brilliant, but that was for sure. My favorite thing about this was just like, what yeah. they just like, 
they just whoopsie themselves into this like incredible fame. And then even once they had it, people like don't buy it and they set the ghosts loose on the city, which is, you know, and then, you know, the third act ensues. But um, I just, yeah, the whole setup for this was really funny and I hadn't like thought about it as an adult. Oh, I know. I had never, I had to rewatching this again. I was like, dude, can you imagine uh like if that were today and you were just walking down the street and then all of a sudden like every cabinet in your no see i can't do that because now we've got movies like paranormal activity and yeah it's like we're used to all these ghost stories and and trust we're not covering them all we talked about a number of them in the halloween episode if anyone wants to go back and check that out but this the middle of the 80s was for as much as it was like the time of Ghostbusters and Back to the Future and John Hughes and all these things that we're going to be talking about. It's also the time of Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers Michael and Myers all of this and... shit is happening in the same. They're all contemporaries of one another. Yep. Um, and I think that's easy to forget, but I think actually really important to point out in the case of Ghostbusters, because none of that was new, those concepts even when this was coming out, all of those movies were super popular. The Exorcist came out oh God, uh, before yeah. the eighties, right? But it was yep. out. When yeah. did the Exorcist come out? Like um, actually a while before the eighties. Uh, I think it was nineteen seventy or nineteen. No, because my mom was almost. My mom snuck to a theater to watch it. So right. I think it was like nineteen seventy three, nineteen seventy four, around there. Okay, Not so that's a thing sure. that's in the zeitgeist. Like, people are aware of it. Yeah. Um, the Omen was out by this time. Yep, like, yes it was. There was a lot of scary movies happening when this came out. It was a whole big thing. So There were, yeah. and so, like, I think... Not I think the reason that this movie was so successful was because it took those elements and made them, like, funny, Right? Like, it was like, this is how people would really want this shit to go down. Like, imagine if the Ghostbusters just, like, busted into the exorcism house. Right. Or, like, like, it's it's sort of like the scream of its time, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Because Scream like was funny. The, which I still haven't seen the new one, but apparently it's okay. I have not seen the new one either. Scream wasn't as funny as Ghostbusters, obviously. It's not no, as much not of a, a comedy. Chance. But you know what I mean still. It was kind of like the almost lighter the lighter fare of that genre for when it like the pop when it was popular um in the 90s when there was that resurgence that we also talked about in the halloween episode but it's funny how much this does correlate with a lot of what was happening in the horror genre at the time um and then the other thing that uh that like captivated me about the plot of this movie in terms of making sense (laughs) is so all this serendipity happens. They turn out to be right instead of criminally insane. Everyone right. loves them. They have like their awesome uh, headquarters in the firehouse. Which in is the great. firehouse, yeah. Sign. And I was reading somewhere the Ghostbusters sign was like the second most recognizable symbol next to like... The Superman emblem. Something. I don't yeah. know. McDonald's is in there too. Um. But it's up there. The Ghostbuster sign was like super up there and most recognizable symbols. Yep. And so they have all this great shit going on. They obviously need help, right? Like, yeah, they're really underwater. It's not going great for them. Um, there's all these ghosts around. Like, they genuinely need assistance. They are. They immediately 
hire uh what's Ernie his name Hudson. is it winston no, no no winston, winston zettimore yeah yeah so they hire winston in like a hot fucking second when he walks in and it's yep. like why does first of all not everyone in the world want to do this you would think that everyone in new york oh, would be lined up behind the ghostbusters first of all yeah. second of all they're all doctors and they hire this guy like instantly and i'm like so what are the requirements and incidentally i really like how in stranger things at halloween none of the kids want to be winston because he's not even he's a doctor not a doctor yeah <laughs> <laughs> fucking nerds Dude, I love, <laughs> love that this is what's like so crazy to me and like to your point like why did ernie hudson's character think that was where he should be getting a job because he literally just all he says he's he's literally just walks in off the street it's like the yeah. quintessential like i got a job but just by walking inside uh janine asks him all these questions like do you believe in paranormal activity the Loch Ness monster aliens possession da, 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 psychic ability stuff like that and he's like um if there's a steady paycheck in it i'll believe anything and I'm like, like what this the guy just needs a job. News? He doesn't, he's not there because he's a fan. He's not a doctor or an engineer or anything. He just needs a job. So yeah, which is I just so didn't weird. really understand. I love him. I think his character is hilarious, but I just didn't really get why he was there. Like, why are they having a hard time hiring? That's what I'm confused about. Like, why is it that it's like, this character is like so desperate, right? In Winston to like get a job. Yeah. Um, and incidentally, he was supposed to be played by Eddie Murphy, who turned it down. Yes, he was. Yep. And he was but, also, uh, if anybody is a Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan, he was also supposed to be played by, um, God damn it. I cannot remember his name. He is the guy who plays the guard in Die Hard. And the oh, dad yeah. in, um, oh my God, why the Steve Urkel show family matters family matters he's the dad in family matters god i can't remember <laughs> his name and i'm gonna fucking remember it as soon as we're done recording and it's gonna drive me fucking nuts but it's he was to supposed see. to be ernie hudson's character zedimore but then ernie hudson became available and he got the job and so he becomes a guard in the jail that they're imprisoned in for a moment you see him for like a split second he's the one that tells him that the mayor wants to talk to him Oh my God, so I thought that was really funny to you. I wonder how this movie would have been different if Eddie Murphy had been cast instead of Ernie Hudson. Well, it seems like this whole movie had a whole different cast that they had in yeah. mind that didn't take it, right? Or that wasn't available for one reason or another. Um, yeah, it's like weird. They had a whole different vision for this and then it came together so well. It's, I mean, sometimes sometimes it just be like that, right? Like sometimes it, it, just, it do be like that sometimes. It do be like that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> there's no there are a lot of movies though that have um similar stories but it was supposed to be so and so and this person turned yeah. it down and and it turned out to be this super iconic role for somebody yeah. else right? we could have had tom cruise as yeah. tony stark like Ugh. don't talk we could to have me had about uh, john krasinski as captain america yeah I, that's okay John Krasinski as you had me. You had me at John Krasinski. I kind of uh, don't care. He's going to be plays. Mr. Fantastic. Everybody knows it. If he shows up as a cameo as like an alternate universe version of Mr. Fantastic in Multiverse of Madness, I will be disappointed and stoked. And I Dude, don't be... know what 
apparently there's like not to like get off the subject for a split second but apparently there's something like 25 cameos or like surprises in multiverse of madness this movie's gonna be fucking crazy i know all right anyway i'm super excited for that the point is I don't know why it's Winston. I don't know yeah. how they have a, a hiring problem. Everyone seemed like that is one of the most unrealistic things about this movie to me. It's just that like other doctors don't want to bust a ghost. Like, come on. Oh, I know. There was no That's one else at the university that was like, dude, these guys are fucking great. Like, they're right. Dude, or like other ghost hunters in, across the country were like, yo, this shit's happening. In, like, it's legit. In all of New York City, there wasn't a single person who was like, I'm interested in the paranormal. I want to bust a ghost. Like they're watching this. Like there's yeah. a song. They're like super famous. Everybody loves them. It's like ghosts are real. It's not as though ghosts existed in this universe before the Ghostbusters. That's not what they set up for us, right? Like no, this is news to around. people, right? We just didn't like, but people, people didn't, didn't know that. Them. Yeah, it wasn't like a known thing. You know, it wasn't like. Like just, I just, I don't understand how they have a hiring problem at Ghostbusters and how they end up with Winston, who knows nothing about, like, he doesn't know shit about fuck. How is he here? Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> I just, so that was, like, really confusing to me. Like, I just, I don't understand that. But I enjoyed him. I just, I, so those are my, my feelings about the plot. And that's, no, I, <laughs> like, I'm just kind of moving us in towards the end here, but. Yeah, I'm totally like, with you on that. Like, it just it didn't make sense. But overall, like, he was a good addition to the team, and he's the one that sets up Ray to start thinking about the Book of Revelations, and that they're headed for like the apocalypse or Judgment Day, is what they say. Um, their nerdiness is great. Like, I get why the Stranger Things kids love them. Like, yeah. I I don't know that I appreciated that as a kid. That like, no, they oh, are like, either. I'll go do the research on the most common Zools in literature, and we'll find the best. We'll find out what who Zool is, and, and like they do, and it's just yeah. And he's like, really she was cool. big in Samaria, and she's like, well, why is he in my icebox? I don't know. It doesn't look like Samaria. Like, just... <laughs> <laughs> fucking uh, nerds, just, man! I love like it really was. Nerds making good. That's what Ghostbusters is about. It really and was. Well, and that's why I think I love cool. that transition. At that point of transition, it's the height of the movie, really. It's like, because, you know, everything happens. It's it's on its way up to the bell curve, right? It's on. It's almost to the top. The bell curve is where the problem starts and then the plot, you know, like the bad shit happens and then the movie fixes itself. Right. Uh, if anybody is aware of how a story plot should be, it's called the bell curve. Um on their rise up to like the great parts, it was literally my favorite part of the movie is like they capture Slimer in the hotel and then all over the city, people are like, they're famous now. Casey Kasem's doing shit about them. Larry King is doing shit about them. Fun fact for you, this was Larry King's first film appearance. Um, really? Yes, it was. Uh, Fun. I love when news guys take that sweet sweet paycheck and go on a movie awesome. i really do love it i actually I, I really enjoy it i think it was pretty cool um and then like <laughs> i this i also didn't realize that this until this walk through or watch through but they totally get blown by a ghost and that totally like flew over my head yeah. when I was a kid yeah, somebody gets a blowjob, right? That scene, Dan I'm Aykroyd like, Wait, does in his dream, and I also totally skipped my my notice until this watch through that he's dressed like a prince in a castle, 
and he's got like a sword next to his bed. Dude, it's so fucking funny. I it can't... was dude, and at one point one of them is like laying on the couch, like in their regular clothes though, and like a ghost is like taking off their belt and undoing their pants. Yeah, so that's Dan that they're all sleeping at the firehouse and it like does the wavy transition to Dan Aykroyd in his dream, and in his dream he's dressed like a prince. And there's this like smoking hot ghost floating above him and then she disappears. And then this actually was really good animation. I, I would be interested to know how they did this. Um, his pants unbuckle themselves and then like the zipper goes down and he makes the face like very clearly he's getting a blowjob. But um, like what I was like, and then they just go away from it. They just cut away like it didn't happen. No, and I was like, did I just have a stroke? No. So like what you, was that? It's a really quick scene, and if you miss it, it's like it's understandable you would have that reaction. It goes back to the real world of the three of them sleeping in bed, and they're all having the same fucking experience. So, like, See, I don't okay, know if that's they were what all I missed about that, or was they were they really getting blown by this ghost? Like, I don't get it. It was just really weirdly sexual. Like, honestly, a lot of this movie was weirdly sexual. It was. <laughs> like, it really but was. in a very 80s comedy way where it was like, I don't know, somehow the like sexual humor of the 80s feels like a lot more <laughs> like raw than it did in the 90s. It it's feels just like in the rent. 90s. It's, in your it gets, face. Like, it's not worried about down. offending anybody. It's just, it's just it's there. <laughs> it's just yeah it really is just sort of it, you know it reminds me a lot of scrooged yes right like which would have been scrooged was like 86 right yeah it was so yeah it and and also bill murray wasn't it it was yeah, yeah. It was bill murray oh my god um it like really felt like scrooge to me like just with the humor and the way it was like oh my god okay like some of this stuff was kind of ridiculous so yeah that happened there was like a hundred percent of blowjob um yeah. anyway <laughs> it was so weird i want it was that so clip weird. to be the clip that i put for us on spotify as a trailer for the show it Leave was very it as a clear cold with a blowjob, and then it's just dead silent and just fucking laughter. I'm putting that as the fucking trailer. I just don't, I'm like, what else is there to say? I'm like, no, good, that's good. Exactly this fucking movie was crazy. It, like, it is what happens. I we get, and then we get to like the climax of this movie where they actually fight Gozer, and it took me forever to realize. The unif the outfit that the actress who is playing Gozer is wearing is supposed to look like she's just covered in ectoplasm. Because if you look really closely, it's just like bubbles and like slime and stuff, but it's a fabric used to like conceal her for like, you know, no nudity or whatever. Right. But it took me forever to realize that there was she was supposed to be covered in like ectoplasm and shit. And I thought that was a really cool way of showing like oh, the afterlife is just like or where her realm is just like that's where this ectoplasm is coming from, is like that's part of her realm and shit. And yeah, then, that makes sense. That was the through yeah. line of all of it. Like all the ghosts left some goo, which was really funny in the beginning. Scene oh my god. He wiped it on all these like really old, really expensive books. Yeah. You could feel the improv in that eyes. scene of him just being like, Ugh, like what yeah. the fuck? Like, <laughs> You're slime, Egon. 
Oh, and that was God, the other part that it kind of like blew my mind. Like he has physical proof. Actually, twice. Yeah. Because they get slimed by Slimer, and he has physical proof from Slimer, and they get physical proof from the library ghost. So why was everybody just like? I think that's one of my main problems with the sequel is everybody was just like, no, fuck that. These guys are liars. Well, and I, th- I think they use the goo and the readings that they got from like the library, especially to create like the guns and the traps and stuff yeah, for when absolutely. they meet Slimer. So like they're using it, but they're not like reporting their findings for peer review. Like these guys yeah. are shitty PhDs. They kind of are. Like they're not in no way are they contributing to, to the existing body of literature. Oh yeah. Just they they like, act like they know better than everyone. Well, and they just, it's like, how do you want to get, like, funding and support and fame and stuff when, like, no one knows what the fuck? Like, I would be telling people immediately. They could have expedited things a lot for themselves if they didn't wait for, I mean, whoever they, Slimer, I guess. Once they capture Slimer, then that's all, then they have the ghost and people have seen it and they become famous. But they, I'm like, yeah, they had an opportunity way before that to start I mean, maybe they just wanted to hog all the fame for themselves. Maybe that's what this was really about. I kind of feel like that's that's Vankman. I feel like that's exactly how he comes off as like, okay, we're gonna do this, but no, we don't want a franchise. So like, there's not it's like a fire department in every town. There's not gonna be a Ghostbusters station in every town now. It's just they want to stay in New York, and he wants yeah. to maintain the rights and all the money that they're getting and shit like that. Which is insane. I mean, that's why I was like, I smell a franchise, right? Like, oh, make yeah. this like the franchise of movies and a franchise of Ghostbusters organizations, right? There's just a whole. I'm ex- I'm excited to watch Afterlife because I I just feel like there's an obvious direction for this to go in that I feel like isn't where it goes, and I'm like, how? I don't get it. You would think <laughs> that then like ghost busting would become a big deal. And it feels like it doesn't. It feels like when it crops back up in this little Oklahoma town or whatever the fuck with Finn Wolfhard, that it's like oh, not yeah. really a thing. And it's like, how, how does it not become a thing? How does it like, how that's what I don't get. Like, I've, Yeah. Like, how are they like, we saw this happen. I was there. And then they're like, no, fuck you, dude. Like, this is it's fake. like ghosts are real. These guys could like, we're doing something about it. And they were like a threat to us. And also like ghosts are real. And nobody cares. And no one gives Everyone's, a shit. Everyone's, it just dies. It just turns up in somebody's basement. Like it's the fucking original Jurassic Park car hidden in in Jurassic World. Nobody Fuck cares. for you. So it's funny that you mentioned that. There is actually a, um, in the town that I grew up in, uh, which is about an hour from where I'm living now, um, there is a guy who owns one of the original Jurassic Park Jeeps. And he drives it around. I see it driving all the time. It's got the JP markings. It's got the the glass top window for viewing. It's got the seats and every dude. It is so fucking cool. That is. And I see it every awesome. once in a while. And next time I see it, I'll try and take a picture of you, and I'll probably end up in a car accident. But whatever. Okay, well, don't crash your car, but do send me a picture of that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it was. It was. I just thought that was a really cool thing, and. The oh my last God. thing, the my last little fun fact about the movie, and then we can get into like what, like the ratings and everything. But my last little fun fact about this is, um, well, one is actually kind of I have two. One is kind of just a a thing that I hope everybody knows. 
Uh, but if you don't, I'm more than happy to fill you in. The Stay Puffed Marshmallows are not a real brand. They were literally created specifically for this movie. Ivan Reitman said that the design of the marshmallow monstrosity was a mix between the Michelin Man and uh, the Pillsbury Doughboy because they wanted something like cute and fluffy, um, but that they could like then attack the city with in this kind of like weird, goofy Godzilla homage thing. And so I don't, I read a comment. The only reason this is in here is because I read a comment somewhere that was just like, I can't believe they stopped selling Stay Puft Marshmallows. The, and I'm just like, what? They're not fucking real. Uh, the only time we actually were. see the Stay Puft Marshmallows as a product is when the eggs cook themselves on Dana's countertop. There are Stay Puft yeah, Marshmallows right next to her eggs. Yeah, and um, then when the roof explodes, you see uh, an ad for one on the side of a build, or an ad for the Stay Puft Marshmallows on the side of a building. Those are the only two times right. you actually see anything about it. I think the reason why it's so believably a real brand is because it does look so believably real. Like, it, it's it a perfect mix between the Michelin Man and the Pillsbury Doughboy. And uh, one of my favorite lines in the movie is when they're like, he's a sailor, he's in New York, we're just going to get him laid, and it's fine. And he'll be fine. <laughs> this guy's a sailor. Oh I fucking love, dude, all of his comments are, like, so fucking funny to me. And I, I didn't realize... It, I I actually didn't notice this until I watched this movie this time. I say the phrase, is everybody getting all that? Is what he <laughs> says in the mail or in the jail. I say that right. all the fucking time. When like, no, it's clear. No one is paying attention in like a Zoom meeting at work or something. I'll literally just yell, everybody <laughs> keeping up or like what just shit like that. Like, and, and just like, <laughs> cra- I watched this movie and I was like, oh my God, that's where it's just funny to go back and be like, that's oh shit, that's where from. I got that from. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot, I think, in this movie that's like that. Um, mm. My last fun little fact, fun little tease, just to like bring it all back to what's really important here. Yes. Is I that saw this. the concept of and, and consequences of crossing the streams, which is how it's described. Um, is a super, super important thing in the Wheel of Time. I knew it. Crossing the oh streams. Oh my god, I knew it. Yeah, so streams will be crossed. Yep, when the streams cross in the Wheel of Time, shit goes down. And it's called the crossing of the streams. It's like a whole fucking situation. So chew on that for the next three or five years. But I was watching this and I was like, <laughs> that's Dude. right. All right. <laughs> I can't stand how long I still have to wait. For this show read the books i know i know i'm working on it thank god i have <laughs> stuff like the book of boba fett which i don't know if we've told you guys or not uh sorry i just suppressed a sneeze right there um <laughs> i don't know if we've said anything or not but we will be covering the book of boba fett as a whole i'm not doing episode by episodes of these small no. things anymore um and I only say I'm not doing it because Lindsay doesn't care about Star Wars. So whatever I say we want to do for well, Star Wars. Well, I don't is... not care <laughs> about Star Wars. I live. I like, did enjoy te- te- your text by text recap of uh, this week's episode, though. So I want to thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, I'll continue. I, feel like that's I enjoyed how you it feel when, when doing I text it. you about Wheel of Time. Makes me really happy. Yeah. So I was like, let me do this for Scott. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed those last. Well, I was behind because I was on vacation. So yeah. Um, but. Uh, how did you rate this movie? Oh my god. Uh 
I gave this an 8.9 out of 10. And honestly, the only thing that kept it from being a perfect 10 was the random questions that I just didn't understand why things were happening. Why did Winston get hired? Why was, uh, dude, I'm actually really upset that Peck was not a Gozerian, like, like a possible yeah what the fuck was up with that guy is a great question i can't believe that that would have been so cool oh man yeah but yeah this is a this is a classic movie i will watch anytime somebody says dude i want to watch ghostbusters i will sit there and watch it i don't care if i was on my way out the door i love this movie this movie is hysterical it is good fun it's got a great soundtrack ivan reitman did an amazing job with the random cast of ad-libbed fucking geniuses that he had it just it's it's so fun from start to finish and i i love it yeah i'm right there with you i actually was going to give it an 8.9 as well and i boosted it to a nine um for all of those reasons it's hilarious it's classic it's actually awesome like it's the cast is stacked there's really nothing wrong with it um and so i i don't really have like a why i'm not giving it a 10 out of 10 it's just doesn't quite it doesn't do it check all the boxes, right? Like you walked out of there with questions kind of thing. Well, it wasn't even the questions that bothered me. It was just sort of nothing actually really bothered me. It just doesn't. I just, it's not, it, I think I'm missing the nostalgia factor. Mm. I, because I just kind of don't care. Like I, I like the movie, but it doesn't hold, it doesn't hold a special enough place for me to get a 10 out of 10, but there's nothing inherently That's wrong with it. I'll yeah. give you that. That's fair. I understand that part, especially if like, yeah. I feel like that was kind if of I'm how we were 10 with out of 10. Yeah, if 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 I'm going to 10 out of 10 something, it's going to be because I really enjoyed it. Like A New Hope. I fucking enjoyed that, you know? Yep. And I really, really enjoyed this too, but it just doesn't hold any particular place in my heart. Even Star Wars holds a, a bigger place in my heart than this one does, even though it's it's good and I really liked it. And I would never say, like, don't put it on, but it's just not like... This wasn't that important of a movie for me. No, um, and I get that. I think that's and... going to be the case for a lot of this for me in the 80s. Some of this stuff that's really kind of technically flawless yeah. um, might not do it for me. But when we get into the 90s, there's going to be some stuff that might not deserve it that might get the 10 from me. So that's okay. We bring our personal cool. bias into our ratings a lot. So Oh, absolutely. Yeah. this wouldn't, It's our podcast. Fuck you guys. All right. We're going to rate this shit what we want to rate it. <laughs> I'm not rating Don't the tell Lindsay how to rate her movies. Only I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right um no and that's fine and i get that and that's actually one of the reasons like i'm glad that we also got to experience new movies along the way especially in season one like we got to both experience no way home and that was yeah. it was it didn't have that nostalgia factor in there but it totally did because of all the things that came into it and i think that's what made it a perfect movie was there were payoffs from things when we were a kid or we were younger and shit um so i totally get that like nostalgia factor i I totally yeah i think that's gonna be an increasingly important piece of our ratings as we go forward because now we're entering into i mean we've had that for a lot of the disney movies but now we're coming into like the renaissance when we get there and stuff that was really big for when we were kids and i think i think it's going to be increasingly important as we go forward and i think that's fine um but i'm i'm excited to see uh how this flips when we get into some 90s stuff when i said like through the 80s i'm like yeah no i mean it's technically a perfect movie i just don't care but when we get into the 90s i'm gonna be like 11 out of 10 I'm like, oh my god i know dude every movie's gonna be a turn it up to 11 and it's gonna oh it's gonna yeah. fucking be so hard yeah um i didn't rate the villain though did you 
So the only reason I didn't, and I, I apologize because I didn't have my notes in that part. Um, the only reason I didn't is there are too many. They're just like it's the like ghosts confusing. are the, the and we already did a pretty good job of discussing Walter Peck and the whole realistic aspect of it. The people of New York are just as much villains as Walter Peck is. They don't believe them. They, you know, they think they're crazy. The dean at the school is a fucking villain. The main villain, obviously, is Gozer. And I love Gozer, and I love the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And I think that they are awesome. But this is a difficult movie to rate a singular villain on because they just are fighting a type, not a singular, like, thing. Yeah, it's funny. It's like Peck is like a zero out of ten, but like the Stay Puff guy is like a ten out of ten. Oh, like yeah. it, I feel like they all kind of cancel each other out. Like Slimer is like Slimer cancels himself out by being yeah. awesome and horrible in such equal measures that he doesn't exist. And I just does. so it's really hard. It's just well, like super hard to say what's so what. And yeah. <laughs> the other thing I feel really bad about, and I'm I meant to mention this earlier when we were talking about, but William Atherton, who plays Walter Peck got so much shit after this movie came out that people would literally like flip him off in the street. And he like wrote to Ivan Reitman, like later on, he was like, dude, you're this movie, like fucked up my life. Like joking about it. He's not like, Oh my God. Like, uh." but he was like, dude, this movie like destroyed my life. (laughs) I mean, that happens. Think about, uh, I do not know her name off the top of my head, but she's brilliant. Um, the woman who played Skylar White, People sent her like death threats Ooh, and shit. Oh yeah. And f- hashtag Skylar was right all along about everything the whole time. Like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> we didn't like our wet blanket on your fucking meth business. Like, I'm like, I'm with Walt too. I also want to win meth, and like, this is super fun. But oh, like, I know, yeah. Let's all take a hard step back and remember that Skylar had a newborn and was right about everything oh, from the God. beginning. And got way more hate than she needed, and I'm about to. So I'm like, that's fine. Send me, send me your hate. But Skylar did nothing wrong. I really sweet Jesus. I swear to God. I anyway. So, I feel strongly about that. I see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have one final fun fact of cameo knowledge for you guys, and I can't believe I didn't know this. Um, Ron Jeremy the legendary porn star has a random cameo in this movie and i have what? no clue where he is all right i take I your know. word for it i'm like how are we talking about ron jeremy i'm like wait what just no happened i know yeah um also casey Kasem's <laughs> wife is in this movie too she's the tall blonde that tells lewis she's gonna leave the party huh this i mean this is a fun cast this is just it snl is. guys playing in their own little funny sandbox right they and it and it came out great it really did i can't believe i rated it point one point or one tenth of a point um higher than you i know that is kind of crazy to me um, i almost went for the I eight nine but then i was oh reginald bell johnson fucking sure he's the the police officer totally. that he plays god damn it oh my he's god that was a while ago what know, just happened I in just, your brain dude it, I knew it. I was thinking about the Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode, and then it popped into my head. Something just happened up in your noggin. It did, yeah. It sparked <laughs> a fucking core memory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, 
as always, I think, are we ready yeah, to wrap up? Go ahead up? and get us out of here. I think that's a good All right. place to get out of. I think we're good, right? I think we've exhausted what we have to say. This was a good movie, suffice to say. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. We hope you had a good time. Hope you learned something about 1984. Join us next week. We're going to be doing The Karate Kid. That's exciting. That's a movie I have potentially seen. I love that, um, by the way. I saw that on the website. And I was just like, God damn it, dude. I hope Lizzie has seen this. <laughs> it's a huge it. question mark, dude. We're going to find out. I have honestly no fucking idea. But I'm so excited. We're going to find out. And uh, we have a special collaboration in the works. We're super excited to announce that in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out to get news about that. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media. You can find links to our sites and social media in the episode description. If you want to support the podcast, we encourage you to follow us on the Patreon or check out our website for all of the timeline goodies, past, present, and future. So until next time, guys, stay nerdy. See ya.